Welcome to CFO Insights. I'm Guy Hutchinson, one of the startup CFO founders and the host of the podcast. In this episode, we explore the world of executive development with Phil Dorman, Learning and Development Director at Startup CFO. We glean a deep understanding from his experience going from surviving to thriving, understand why things matter at a human scale, and why he is focused on businesses as a force for good. We learn about the mastermind coaching formula for CFOs, focusing on opportunities for measurable personal growth and investing in yourself. And along the way, we gain some insights on why founders are wired a certain way. Phil Dorman, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Guy. Thank you for inviting me here. Well, uh, it's great to have you on. Uh, you've been working with us at Startup CFO for the best part of 18 months now uh, and, and really helped us to develop our learning and development opportunities as part of the group. Uh, but we should start off with a bit more on your background. Great. My background, um, well, first and foremost, let me say what I, what I do. So I'm a leadership coach and I work with leaders and teams in uncertain, sometimes high growth, Certainly having the desire for high growth environments, that's a mixture of startup, scale up and then corporate innovation to help them um, get the best out of themselves and each other. So they're you know, really performing at a high level, driving great impact and finding fulfillment and joy in the process for want of a less Which cheesy way of putting it. Harder, but... harder than uh, perhaps it sounds. Oh yeah, that's yeah. definitely, that's the, that's the sort of the golden ticket if you can get that mix right. How I found my way to that is, uh, like many careers, quite uh, circuitous and um, sort of, you know, moving in different places. I started out out of university without a clue what I wanted to do uh, but knowing that I wanted to work in China, I studied Chinese at university. My then girlfriend, now wife, had graduated ahead of me and moved there. So through a random string of circumstances, I landed a job with a media company called Haymarket. And I helped them establish their business in, in China, in Shanghai. And um, had some fun doing that, moved on, joined a publishing startup after a couple of years learned quite quickly that if I was going to be in a startup at that point in my career, it was going to be mine. So <laughs> uh, jumped out of that with another colleague and established a, what we described at the time as a social network marketing uh, agency. Quite prescient to use that term social network because Facebook didn't exist yet. We just meant the kind of the network that exists around the brand of, of people. Um, so established that. Uh, again, had, had some fun, uh, did some great work, didn't scale, exited after three years, a not particularly auspicious exit, one more, where I took away learning and <laughs> capital, and then joined a company called What If, who are an innovation consultancy. And I spent, I've spent the bulk of my career to this point with them. I spent 12 years with them, uh, working predominantly with big corporates, you know, some old bricks and mortar economy, some new economy, so anyone from like Pfizer or Roche through to Google, um, around getting their people, in their, from their perspective, sort of behaving in a more entrepreneurial way, but the truth is not really, behaving in a more innovative, customer-centric mm. way. Did that for 12 years, you know, highlights sort of building huge enterprise-scale transformation programs for some of those companies and 
growing our own team first in China, then I moved back to the to the UK in twenty seventeen. Um, played a leadership role through the, through that company, What If, acquisition by Accenture. But I had this realization at that point that you know my motives for doing what I did were, were, were true, and I was getting some of it there, which was I'm turned on by um, getting people working together brilliantly by enabling companies to do the new and next and go to new places. I like, you know, what motivates me most is when that aligns up with something that's good for people and planet as well. But fundamentally, in the day-to-day, my motive is that that change. But what I realised was missing was we're doing all this stuff at massive scale, but actually it's at the human scale where the real work happens. And my, my job just wasn't allowing me to lean into that enough. So I jumped out of Accenture and uh, trained up as a coach. Coaching was something I was already doing informally for team, you know, teams I work with, for people on the team at What If and for clients. Mm. But realised actually that was my, my passion. So that led me in 2020 to jump out, establish my own business called Not Neutral. Uh, also do some work with a couple of other companies as well, um, all in that coaching space. So all kind of working on a more individual or at least or, or sort of leadership team level around how do you get the best out of yourself on an individual level how do you get the best out of each other and drive performance drive that you know getting to a place where business is thriving and really importantly you're thriving as well yeah and yeah. that's a that's a hard thing for anybody to you know go and achieve and your your journey to reach this status has been very much uh, a bit of a founder journey a bit of a life trying to get uh people in corporate enterprises to behave a little bit like founders uh, and then coming back to sort of something that's more impact orientated this this theme of can you operate at a high level if you can do that are you doing something that's going to be great for people great for planet these are your themes right these are the things that um, kind of get you focused and fired up yeah yeah the, the other theme that's that's there is that that point around thriving I would say for much of my career, I have definitively not been thriving. Okay. <laughs> like, the, probably the better verb would be surviving. Yeah. And, you know, that's led to burnout at various stages. That's led to some mental health issues. And I feel I've got a deep relationship uh, on, you know, on a personal level with what does it really take to get the best out of yourself? What does it really take to, you know, to not allow work to completely take over? I think probably I'm naturally a bit of a, a bit of a people pleaser. I've never been somebody who's gone, I'm all about this and damn everyone else. I'm, you know, my natural propensity is to go with the flow. It's probably a bit too passive, but, you know, work out how, mm. how, how to get along and, and collaborate. And therefore, you know, if I'm working somewhere, I kind of got dragged into the work. And that has at times been at the expense of sort of protecting myself. And then that actually has a business consequence because at some point you stop contributing if you do that. So, so that's the other theme in there that's really important to me and, and yeah, pro- probably um, yeah, it plays just as big a role as the sort of professional side of it, that sort of personal yeah. um, wellness is the word now, isn't it? It is the word now, indeed. Yeah, so, so, so that, that, that piece where um, you've been working with us for the last 18 months and where we are trying to like, develop some programmes to help CFOs to thrive... Yeah. and to achieve these really high levels and also be able to, to you know, focus on their wellness. Um, 
But one of the things we were talking about earlier was that often with a finance career, mm. there's quite a few years where you are almost as kind of technical leader. You might be controller, head of finance, and you're achieving uh, great things, but you're achieving them as a senior technician almost. Yeah. And then perhaps a little bit later than for other C-suite roles, you need to become the leader. And you might be doing this in a startup or a scale-up. And that, and that can take lots of support. Absolutely. Yeah, I- I think that technical grounding that finance leaders have is, you know, a massive strength. But as you also alluded to, you know, it has some downsides as well. It, you know, it can can be a cause of weakness or risk. It's a risk factor, I guess. That you're so focused on the the external and the content that as you shift into people leadership, as you as you grow your own team, you perhaps haven't invested in those. Um, skills in the way that some other you know leaders in organizations start doing that people management from the get-go but also that your natural propensity and bias is well I know how to do this I'll do it so therefore kind of leaning on others to do it and sort of stepping back a bit from from the content to allow others to step up and to play that role of um, doing the edit rather than doing the first copy the first draft um, I, th- I think that, that takes some challenge and that takes some support to get used to doing that. So I think that's on the sort of the, the, the risk side. But I think there's also a tremendous opportunity for um, finance professionals, you know, once you get to finance director or rise up to CFO, that actually, you know, in that um, shift into being part of a leadership team, into being a business leader, not just a finance leader, there's that personal challenge to, to cross over, but there's so much value you can bring to that leadership team if you kind of em- embrace the opportunity and get that get that mix right, but sort of between sort of letting go a little bit of all the technical detail, but still staying on top of it and across it, but bringing the 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 propensity for attention to detail or rigor or a sort of responsibility, which I think is kind of inherent for finance professionals Mm -hmm. or for people that have come from, whether you come from an investment or an accounting background, that kind of sense of, you know, this all needs to stack up and needs to make sense. That is tremendous value add in a startup where founders generally aren't. Founders are kind of, you know, opportunity expansive, let's try stuff, let's get stuff out there. To bring that balancing view and that rigour, I think is fantastic, um, role that CFOs can play but it's not just about you know constantly being the have we thought about this or being the sort of Debbie Downer right, on yes. an exec team yeah. it's kind of leaning into the power of that but also the role that you the, you know the um, the perspective and the um, experience you've got on actually how to make a business work that can play into all kinds of decision making um, at leadership team level, at exec level. Yeah, it's interesting, right? So that type of rigour that I think you're, you're referencing there, there's a little bit where you're coming out of the role that you've been in where you were like a leading technician of sorts and uh, now you've got a team of two, three, four, five people uh, beneath you and you need to get the best out of them uh, and, and sort of harness that power. So that's that's the first part of it. And then the second part of it is partnering, right? You yeah. are you probably got a C-suite job title. You're partnering with people in the CMO suite, the CEO suite and the founders, of course. Uh, and they're completely different creatures. 
Uh, they, they, they have different sets of values and different way of looking at the business challenges as to how the finance person sees them. And so sometimes there's a tension in that partnering that's not immediately obvious how to unlock that. Absolutely. Yeah, one of my good friends and occasional collaborators has this phrase she'll use often in sort of workshops or meetings where she goes, you know, let's have an agreement, which is, I'm not crazy, I'm just not you. So <laughs> recognising that other people are wired differently, uh, they're communicating in different ways, they're motivated and energised by different stuff. That becomes a really critical sort of insight and perspective to bring as a, as, a, as a CFO stepping into that sort of business leadership role to recognise that, yeah, the way your founder expresses themselves may naturally lead to some confusion because you, they, don't, they don't mean the same thing you mean if you said exactly the same thing, right? Yeah. Uh, so recognising that and building that kind of insight and understanding into your peers, a, ability to flex and make sure that you are asking the question, you go, did you mean this, even with, with people you don't work with so much or don't have that established relationship, and the flexibility to kind of work with different styles. So I, I, I guess I see, you know, there's sort of two, two big areas that CFOs, in terms of their personal development, kind of it's really important to work on as you make that, that shift and as you lean into that. One is what we've just been talking about, the, the sort of relationship and collaboration with others and building the, the connection there, the sort of the safety, mm. psychological safety is another popular term at the moment isn't it and it's really important um, concept that you know you are safe to speak your mind and able to do that and to collaborate and you trust each other you can get to great performance that's I think quite a big shift because it's not in this domain of technical expertise anymore and I think a successful CFO isn't just being the voice of finance in that room yeah they're being a bit they're a business leader they've probably got a view on on across the board on, on the business and are comfortable like contributing to the conversation and in helping inform decisions on topics that might be about marketing or commercial or sales or you know uh, product all, all of those topics the, the second area that I think is really important for CFOs to work on um, it's true for all business leaders but I think it's particularly true for somebody who's come with that technical expertise because you're used to thinking of the work as that content as outside yourself you're also used to well probably not universally true i don't mean to stereotype but the vast i can't think of anyone who doesn't fit this profile of the cfos i've worked with have this sense of responsibility for the business that means you're often the one burning the midnight oil right when others might not be you know putting the 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 board deck together, the investor pack, mm. all those things. Yeah. It's often you. And I think the other, the other critical, the second sort of critical relationship to get right and to work on as a CFO is your relationship with yourself. I think other, other business leaders, founders, you know, this idea of getting a coach is almost universal. It's almost like there's almost that saturation that no, no founder doesn't have a coach mm. these days. With CFOs, the natural bias just isn't there to go, yep, got to have that, got to get that support. Um, so tapping into whether it's one-to-one support or, or, or a network that's going to help you invest in your professional and personal development, Yeah. but also just look after yourself. Yeah, that's kind of two things, right? Like that's perhaps they're not quite so aware as to how much 
harm you can end up soaking up just by working really hard and not 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 looking to find a place where you can go just to just to check in with yourself and check that you're not somehow on the road to burnout uh, I think the second thing is perhaps a, a bit more obvious which is perhaps some reluctance to spend on themselves even even when it's the company's money yeah yeah absolutely I think you're, you're, you're bang on there's those two dimensions to it and yeah the, wh- why wouldn't you spend on yourself but it does seem to be a um, it goes with that responsibility doesn't yes, it yes like, those things I, I can, hand, right? I can uh, you know I'll allow this I'll enable this but I need to be um, white than white yeah, yeah white than white yeah. squeaky clean yeah. uh, particularly at this point in time yeah. you know when so many startups are Sort of having to pivot away from growth at growth at any price, and get more financial balance. Try to get to profit. You know, at least having to be a lot more careful about how they're spending a funding round um, to justify, you know, personal spend or what's considered perhaps potentially yeah. a luxury. You know, um, it you feel like you've got to set the tone for the business as a CFO. Um, but in some ways, set you know. There's so much evidence that shows that high-performing businesses are ones that invest in learning and development. So there's a there's a counter argument. There is. There is. You're the CFO and you just, want to set the tone. I just see this as you know one of those many things where essentially you know we at Startup CFO we can we can change we can change the mindset for the the whole space. Yeah. And that CFOs should be looking at this type of thing as being like really high in terms of ROI. Yeah. And that 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 whilst evidencing that is perhaps less tangible than other ROI type things, um, that that you should be sufficiently self-aware of the progress that you're making if you were receiving you know, one-to-one coaching or doing like a mastermind group, you know, mm. like we do at Startup CFO, um, that, that, that it was pretty obvious the ROI was, was fantastic mm. and it wasn't really a case of um, demonstrating that you weren't spending on yourself was adding something it almost certainly isn't adding anything at all. Yeah, yeah. So Phil, it, yeah. it sounds like we need to find a way to help CFOs to unlock this ROI thing so that they can find a way to realise the value that comes from any form of coaching or personal development. That can be a difficult case to make if other people in the business are adversarial around it. Mm. Like if you're having to really sell that need to your founder, I think that, that can be a challenge. I think the thing to look for there is potentially some external benchmarking. There is plenty of evidence out in the world that shows the value of kind of investing in yourself, the value of um, yeah, creating that perspective to connect to the bigger picture. I, I, I think the more valuable thing, and it, and it requires relationships where people are willing to be sort of curious, where you're, you know, you're your line manager, typically a founder, isn't it? The sort of boss of the business is open to a conversation where you focus in on where could I be doing better? Like what's not working brilliantly? Like how could our working relationship Mm. improve? Where would you like to see me grow and step up? Right. And there, if you have that conversation, what what you can do is put, put a measure against that. Okay. How would you score that today? Like where would you like it to be? And I think having those kind of conversations with your line manager then creates a really clear case for going, okay, if I'm going to get to that level, I'm going to need, need, need some support, something, right? Whether that's um, something you do on, 
on online or like a, a some kind of course you do or it's working with a coach um, or it's joining some kind of peer network some kind of structure that's going to allow you to kind of address the how of, of, of stepping up and by having that conversation and going okay well maybe it's um, I don't know it, it's the way you show up with the investors and like you know you as a CFO like bringing that absolute uh, reassurance to balance my vision that investors know that we've got a we've, we've we've got a model that can make cash we know there's a big enough addressable market those mm. points I'm yeah. kind, of, kind of making up an example really <laughs> yeah. but like or it's uh, communication or it's like you growing your team so that you're here more as a peer for me because you've got a team that are stepping up into doing the doing underneath you whatever that thing is mm. there's always something and that's the conversation to have is not to focus straight on I want a coach it's to bring the conversation from, I'm guessing almost every CFO is having some kind of regular one-to-one with their founder. If they're not, that's probably a first issue to address. But more, you know, generally people are. Yeah. If you're having that one-to-one, go, what, what are the growth areas? Where are the yeah. areas you want things to step up? And for people that whose, whose job it is to measure, for you yourself and for that person who's signing the cheque for you, or at least having to approve it, um, putting a measure against stuff is really valuable. Yeah, yeah, and that does take, you know, CFOs away from this bias, which might be a little bit towards the 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 optics of them spending. Absolutely, the optics yeah. of them stepping away from the business for an hour or two and like receiving some coaching or being, you know, part of a mastermind group or something like this. Yeah, towards more like, well, that's just what it takes for me to be the best version that I can possibly yeah. be. Yeah, and looking towards my boss to be the feedback loop on that measurability and to be. You know, one month later, three months later, six months later, observing the difference and seeing the impact. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you've got to take investing in yourself out of the pure cost yeah. column and look at what the benefit is going to be. Yeah. What's the return going to be? And that's never going to be as readily available a measure as you know revenue. Right? No, it's true. not going to be a direct line. So yeah. finding that just requires a degree of you know, curiosity and having the conversation and being willing to look and go, well, okay, what's the sort of lead indicator, you know, lead indicator yeah. that that's improving and where it's going. Yeah, fantastic. And, mm-hmm. and, and we should use this as a segue into mastermind coaching. So yeah. uh, so we we chatted 18 months ago, uh, Chris at Mavericks had mm. mentioned to me maybe like a week or two before we were introed that we should look at the mastermind format. It was not something that I'd heard of because obviously... Yeah. Um, it's a Silicon Valley formula, very, very popular over there with founders. Uh, and so I had to spend some time researching it. And then we chatted uh, and you took on the task mm. to go and explore how this could work with CFOs and what, yeah. what the adaptations would be if we were to, to, to do something like that and do it under the startup CFO brand. So, yeah. so it's quite, quite interesting from my standpoint to sort of understand what was involved in that, what your observations were. And how you feel that that, that we shaped this so it's really optimal for these finance leaders. Yeah. Um, so just the mastermind group format has been it's been referred to as mastermind groups uh, for about a hundred years. Goes back to sort of the, the early period of like American capitalism and people like Henry Ford and others like talking a lot. Uh, about their own performance and how to get there and people starting to invest in that. The idea of, you know, the, the essence of what a mastermind group has is, is 
is as old as humanity, really, which is about bringing together a group of peers to share the struggle and problem solve together. Um, in, in our case, the, the model is let's bring together a group of CFOs who are non-competing. Um, so they do similar work, but for different companies and they're not in competition with each other. So they've got that direct experience that, you know, pretty much anything that somebody in the group is going through, somebody else in the group, at least one person in the group has been through the same, if not exactly the same thing, mm. and something very similar in the past. So whereas, you know, working with a coach, what you're doing is like working with somebody who's completely content and experience agnostic, but brings the benefit of understanding what makes people tick yeah. to help you get the best out of yourself. The great thing about a mastermind group is you've got a bit of that, right? You've got a bit of just the space to share and talk stuff out, but you've got this added benefit of, you know, a, a, a brain's trust and incredible, credible technical expertise and experience in the room. So whatever sort of topic is challenging you, whether it be um, about that collaboration and relationship with other members of the exec or with your founder, or whether it be something that's sort of closer to the finance space, like FP&A, um, an FP&A system, or how do you manage the process of doing that, or shifting from one tech stack to another in terms of how you, you know, the, the, the back end of your business, those topics all come up. Um, obviously, the other people in the room don't know the specific ins and outs of your business, but generally that's less important than just some perspective on what's the kind of stuff that you want to be thinking about, what are some of the pitfalls or risks. Uh, and maybe, like, often we've got people going, oh, you should talk to these people, or there's a different supplier or a different vendor, different platform. Um, so it brings that added, added benefit on top of... Um, the same benefits as working with a coach. There's an accountability structure because mm. you're going to come together with people, talk about stuff, and they're going to come back and they're probably going to ask you about what you talked about last time and how's it gone. Yeah. Or in fact, in our version, we engineer that in, we deliberately do that to go, that thing we talked about last time, how did it go? Um, and land the learnings. You've got that, you know, that's true for coaching too, right? You kind of meet, you get heard, you plan to do something and you then talk about it next time again. But here we've got this extra element of the technical expertise, the shared experience, which is hugely valuable. I think it's a real eye-opener to take that sort of sense of shared experience that people have already got if they're part yeah. of the startup CFO network, right? You already get that to a degree from, from, from Slack yes. and the connection and some of the events, but you're taking that deeper, yeah. right? Because you're meeting the same people on a regular basis, you know, we've, we had a group do every week. That was too high a cadence. We've now got groups that are either every other week or once a month. And those, you know, depending on the individuals and the context, that, that feels like a good cadence. Like monthly is a bit easier to meet in person because mm. that's a bit of a time investment. Yeah. You know, every other week kind of works. Pro probably easier when it's virtual. Um, what I have noticed is this, just the eye opener of, oh, yeah, wow, I'm, I'm not alone with this. Yeah. Right. And I think that is tremendously powerful. And yeah, the, the sense that, um, you know, your growth, your experience, you know, we've had one of the groups really reflecting on, um, you know, just sharing the struggle of the market as it is right now. It's been a big deal over the last six months as everything's shifted from, you know, wondrous, joyful, fast growth and relatively easy money to something very, very different in the last, what, six months, year. Yeah. To, to be able to, talk out that 
the pain that goes with that, as well as some of the more um, the specific logistical stuff you have to deal with. You know, CFO is often the point person on um, redundancies. Right? Yeah, people have gone through things that, that they might not have gone through in the preceding three yeah. years, right? Because yeah. we were at the tail of a very long boom. Yeah. Uh, and you're quite right. There was always somebody to uh, inject a bit more cash, and that and that changed what the CFO was doing. They were perhaps yeah. mainly fundraising and running the business at a significant loss, which is normal for a tech startup. Yeah. But but perhaps now they've got the pressure of reducing headcount, taking yeah. the business to break even, uh, and that and that's not necessarily an easy thing. Uh, and 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 the environment of trust, right? So yeah. so so this is like a Chatham House rules environment where you can bring things. It's safe to bring those things. They don't go any further. Yeah. Um. How does that that kind of trust that you built in those circles of four, five, six people? How does that impact the kind of topics that people will bring? So, I th- what I've observed is a kind of natural progression. Obviously, when we first bring people together you can say this is an environment of psychological safety where everything's fair, you know, free and fair to share and absolutely confidential. And, and, and that's true, of course. But it takes people a little bit of time to warm up to that. Mm. Um, breaking bread together. So going, going for a meal after one of the sessions or a drink, something we try and do early in the process because that really helps, right? We all, we, all, we all know that. We all know what it's like to live without that from the last few years as well. Um, and, and then sort of having got over that hurdle... Um, and sort of started to build that level of trust. Yeah, quite quickly in the process, people go from talking about um, business, you know, strictly business topics, as some of the stuff I've talked about already, to, um, yeah, to, to being quite comfortable sort of bringing topics that are more deeply personal. Um, you know, I alluded earlier to the fact that a really critical thing for any business leader and a CFO, you know, as much if not more than, than others is that relationship with yourself. Um, we've had some really powerful conversations about getting the balance right between the amount of time and effort and energy you put into work versus the amount of time, effort and energy you put into yourself, uh, your family relationships. Those aren't easy topics to face into yourself, right? Mm. Um, and often we just plough ahead going, oh, I kind of know, zero sum, I kind of know something's got to give, but I'm not willing for anything to give right now. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I was um, sort of impressed at the bravery, but in a way it wasn't even brave to bring it. It was just natural because it was a safe environment in which to share. Yeah. It was the ideal context in which to go, God, this is tough. Yeah. Um, and there wasn't, you know, there's no sort of judgment in the group, and it's just really valuable, actually, because... Again, as I said before, those topics do everyone's living with similar stuff, right? I mean, yeah. I see that across all the companies I work with um, and all the leaders I work with. Like, our business world at the moment is a bit crazy with the amount it demands of us, right? And I think the startup space particularly. Particularly because the founders won't help you find checks and balances. Yeah. Because they can quite often operate without them themselves yeah and so they're perhaps not inclined to encourage others to sort of ease off on the gas yeah. where maybe you're pushing a bit too hard yeah and and there is just the reality that you know but when you're working in a company like I was at Accenture you know what's that 750,000 people worldwide when your organization's at that scale um the economics of 
investing in people, protecting them, investing in resilience, investing in wellness really make sense and mm. they're quite obvious. Yeah. Um, so it might feel really generous for them to do stuff that's, you know, you know, proper generous maternity, paternity leave, making sure that people are taking time to, to get fit, pay, you know, all of that is an easy decision for the CFO at Accenture globally. It's an easy sign up, much harder to do those things in a small in a smaller business. And yeah, this is a topic that's come up actually with the mastermind groups. Is it possible to go through really rapid growth and have great quality of life along the way? And the consensus seems to be there's times when it's there's times when it's not, right? Mm. There's times when you do just need to lean in. But they can't go on forever and they can't last too long. And that's the key is to kind of back off from that and not assume you're going to be able to do that forever um, and protect yourselves. And as you say, like, often it's the CFO, actually, who has to bring that view of the whole business because there's a business cost to burning mm. people, everyone burning at both ends. Because yeah. your founder, you know, don't want to overly stereotype, but we did have a conversation about how many founders fit the sociopath profile hmm. right and to, to go through that process you've got to be wired a certain way yeah and that sometimes makes it hard to empathize with the rest of humanity yeah right you probably need a bit more balance yeah. um need something a bit different yeah, yeah. no that, that's 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 really insightful and, and and that piece where the cfo comes into the room as the voice of reason and actually kind of really representing you know people interests right yeah. uh you know that that takes a lot of leadership and that, and that might not have been what they thought they'd be doing when they took that job right yeah. Um, yeah. but it might be essential for the business to achieve a certain outcome without just churning through the employees if they burn out absolutely so, yeah and yeah. i i know that it's not a movement that has caught on in the startup space but this whole four day work week thing mm. is evidence you can like anything you can argue the data can't you but evidence that there's often a direct business benefit to investing in people. So you don't have to think of those two as in conflict. Yeah. If you're taking a slightly longer view or a more holistic view of how you measure the effectiveness of the business, um, looking after your people generally does show up in the benefit column, not just a pure cost. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody believes in the end there's ROI looking after yeah. people. Yeah. I think perhaps it's that hyper growth period where everybody's pushing really hard or you know at least the founders are pushing really hard and bringing people with them the question really is how far is too far yeah um but 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 yeah really interesting to hear your insights on that phil yeah and in terms of um what you're looking to go and achieve now so so you're with us we we have a tiny fraction of your time yeah um, most of your time is not neutral not neutral yeah uh, and a bit with mavericks as well i think that's right yeah um so Fill us in, right? What's 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 Phil doing in twenty twenty three? Yeah, so I've I've kind of got two things running in parallel this year. I mean, I've got more than two things in terms of sources of work and interest, but two main focuses for this year. One is I've got the opportunity with with Mavericks, who are a coaching business that's been around best part of a decade, um, who focus on um, scale ups and creative businesses and leadership, helping them thrive, helping them sort of bring the best of leaders into strategy and translate that into action. I'm exploring um, my role with them and how I help them kind of accelerate their growth, um, bringing a bit more of that startup energy to a professional services business and exploring how we could, how we could scale 
what what a more productized version of that offer would look like. So that's quite exciting. That sort mm. of um, the the entrepreneurial and at the end of the day, you know, the idea of an event. So the financial aspect of that's really appealing. And then alongside that, my my vision for not neutral, or my, my kind of motivating mission, if you like, is I do believe that fundamentally business can be a force for good in the world. It has to be a force for good in the world in terms of if you look at the, you know, much of the stuff that feels really bad out there, the sort of shape of society, our relationship with the natural environment, like, yes, business alone isn't going to solve that whole system. It's got to change. But if we can channel on the kind of entrepreneurial energy that really is the unique domain of businesses, of commercial world, into solving those things, like we're going to get to a better place much quicker than, than any other way. Um, but it seems to be a struggle like how, for business leaders to work out how to get mm. that balance between commercial performance and yeah. a mission right um, is, is a struggle. And that's I've got passion for playing in that space. Haven't cracked a way to do that and uh, have a really you know a good sustainable business alongside yeah. doing it. So that's my sort of experimental space is how, do, how can I grow, grow a business in that space that's um, you know doing what I try to help my clients do. It's um, you know performing financially and allowing me to thrive as a human being at the same time. So well, yeah, that's that, me. That's a worthy mission if you can find a way to um, help those entrepreneurs to sort of unlock something that's great for you know people and planet then um great great thing to be out there achieving i hope so yeah yeah brilliant phil phil um thank you very much for joining us on the podcast it, it's been really enjoyable uh and um yeah we, we're we're really excited to have you as part of the team and to you know collaborate further on mastermind coaching and who knows what else brilliant it's an absolute pleasure thanks guy introducing our new podcast sponsor vertice Founded in the UK by serial entrepreneurs and brothers Eldar and Roy Tuvi, Vertice is a technology company designed to help startups manage their SaaS spend. To find out how to streamline your renewals and get visibility on your tech stack, and importantly, cut your total SaaS spend by 20 to 30%, visit vertice.one or send me a message in Slack and I'll be happy to make an introduction. You are listening to CFO Insights brought to you by Startup CFO. If you're a finance professional working in disruptive tech and would like to join our global network, visit our website at startupcfo.tech to learn more. This podcast was a part of our CFO Insights series of discussions. If you want to know more about the Startup CFO group, follow us on LinkedIn to learn more about the community and upcoming events. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast.